You're listening to the weekly podcast of Cayo, the youth ministry of the Father's House in Owensboro, Kentucky. Cayo is a healthy home for teens who are loved like family as sons and daughters that embrace their kingdom identity and purpose to change the world. At Cayo, your home. Hey, Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, I thank you. Lord, as we're talking about who do you say that I am, we're talking about identity. We're talking about who you say we are. Father, give us fresh vision for our lives. Lord, I pray that we would have ears that are open more than ever before. Lord, not just in the last two weeks, but in the coming weeks. Lord, even tonight. Father, anoint this message. I pray, Lord, that every teenager would get something out of this. Lord, I pray that they would, Lord, not just drift off mentally, that they would not just uh, get distracted, but they would hold on to your word. In Jesus' name, anoint it. Everybody said, amen. Well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Look at your neighbor and say, who do you say that I am? That's a mouthful. Who do you say I am? So who do you say I am? We started talking about Jesus posing a question to the 12, Jesus saying that he's the son of God, and the only way we know that he is the son of God, the only way we know Jesus is because God has revealed it. And I got this weird type of thought I've been thinking about the Lion King the last couple of days. I don't necessarily, who's seen the Lion King? So you got, who likes the animated version back in the day? Who likes the live action version? Who likes both? Okay, I like both. So, but I've been thinking about the Lion King. And you got Simba, the circle of life. Just pretend I'm holding a baby lion in my hands right now. I have a baby lion right there. Do you see the baby lion? It's Simba. So you got Simba. He's a prince. His dad, Mufasa, is the king of the pride, the king of the jungle, king of the pride, basically. He rules the roost. He's the man. You've got Uncle Scar. Uncle Scar's a little beat up. He's kind of ugly, but it's only because he's got a scar, and really he's ugly because his heart's nasty. You have uh, Simba, who has a problem. He gets a little reckless. He hangs around the wrong people. He gets himself in the wrong places. When we hang around the wrong people, we hang around the wrong places. We tend to get in trouble. However, he gets rescued, right? Uh, Mufasa rescues him. Mufasa loves his son, Simba. He's the king. Simba one day is going to grow up and be the next king. He's bragging about how he can't wait to be king. But then... Something bad happens. We all know what happens, right? Look at your neighbor and go, ooh. We got a stampede. Simba has to be rescued because once again, he's in the wrong place in the wrong time. Mufasa swoops in, saves him. But Mufasa struggles to climb up the rock. But who's waiting there for him? Scar. Scar just sounds kind of nasty. Sounds like, it's like, just so when you say the name Scar, it just sounds ugly. It just sounds rough, like I got a scar. It's like you just drag out the R for a while. Scar. It just sounds bad. It sounds like a burp, you burp when you say his name. But Scar, what does he say? Scar literally throws him off the cliff. And then he manipulates and he blames Simba. It's your fault. Run away. Run away and never come back. So... What does Simba do? Simba, he goes and he learns Hakuna Matata. 
What a wonderful phrase. It means no worries for the rest of your days. Yes, I remember camp. So, Akuta Matata. So Simba's hanging with the boys, learning about no worries for the rest of their days, all the while ignoring his responsibility as king. He feels guilty. He feels guilty, so he covers up all of that guilt with literally hanging out with the boys, entertaining himself, living out in the wild, no worries. But what happens? Can we really outrun can we really outrun our lives? Can we really escape? I'm asking, can we really escape and really live no worries? I think there is a way, but not in our own strength and not in our own power. So eventually he gets confronted. Simba, remember who you are. I wish only I had James Earl Jones' voice. Simba. Remember who you are. I can't even do it. <sighs> Darth Vader. So the thing is, I bet Nathan's got an awesome Darth Vader. So the thing is, he has to remember who he is. Who is he? He's the prince. He's the king. He's avoided all his responsibilities, but the prod has no choice but to look outside for help because there's no food. There's no resources. They're running out of stuff. They're desperate. Is Mufasa alive? And they, uh, Simba alive? And they find Simba, right? And then Simba, Simba has, has to literally go back to the pride and take his rightful place as the next king. Hey, Pastor Daryl, what is up with this deal about the Lion King? Because you are Simba. You guys are Simba. See, if we're not, see, the whole deal is whether you've made some mistakes in your past, that's not what I want to focus on. Whether you're trying to live with no worries for the rest of your days. Sure, that's great. A lot of times we tend to entertain ourselves to death. That's not what I want to focus on. What I want to focus on is the fact that Scar manipulated Simba out of his birthright, out of his royal identity. See, Scar manipulated the truth. You killed your father. It's your fault. And a lot of times we live in that same way. We live in that same way. See, we're walking around. We don't really know who we really are. Our royal identity has been, is literally being robbed from us and stolen from us by the minute. The truth twisted. We've been deceived. Pastor Darrell, what do you mean? Well, you got to remember. In the, in the garden, Adam and Eve were created by God. They hung out with God. They spent time with God, but Eve got deceived. I touched on this last week. Eve was deceived, ate the forbidden fruit. Adam ate the forbidden fruit. And then their eyes were opened. They realized they were naked, and they had sinned. They had missed the mark, separated themselves from God, not because they actually were separate, but they believed they were separate from God. See, a lot of times when we sin or we make mistakes, Simba made a mistake. See, what Scar did is he told him a half-truth, which is exactly what Satan the enemy does. He tells us half-truths. He said, it's your fault that your dad's dead. It, it kind of was, not really. It, it was his fault that his dad got in that situation, but he didn't throw him off that cliff. And Scar had him believing alive, alive for years and years and years. See, a lot of times, 
even though some of you guys are like 11 or 12 years old in the room, some of you are 17 in the room. Some of you are much older in the room. Point is, like, you've got to be careful of what we're, believe, what we're accepting as truth. Because what if you found out that what you were believing was a lie? Would that bother you? Would that bother you? It's like finding out your best friend uh, really isn't your best friend, and they've been stabbing you in the back all this time through DMs, social media, uh, uh, behind-door conversations, closed-door conversations. What if you think they're for you the whole time, but they're really not? See, Simba thought Scar was for him. He wasn't. Scar wanted the throne for himself because he was selfish. Scar would take. Scar was also so selfish that he would literally manipulate people to do whatever was good for him and not for them. See, the devil is the same way. See, Satan, Satan is the original orphan. Satan, the enemy, the devil. He was once an angel of light, cast out of heaven because he wanted to be God. He wanted to be worshipped like God. Scar wanted to be worshipped. See, at the end of the day, we have to understand that the enemy does not want us to know our royal identity as God's sons and daughters, kings and queens, princes and princesses. And in many times, God is speaking to us every day. God is literally reaching out to us every day, trying to break off lies and deception that we've bought into. I talk to men every Tuesday who bought into years and years of negativity, deception, addiction, and bondage, all believing that it was really their friend. And now some are here 25 years later, some are there 60 years later, suddenly trying to get their mind right, their life back, and break off all these lies and literally see the truth for what it is. And Jesus, at the end of the day, he's the truth, sure. But there's three identity keys in the story of Simba. There's a void, there's a value, and there's victory. There's, everybody say void, value, and victory. See, there's a void in your life that makes you feel empty, right? You ever feel, hey, you say, Pastor Darrell, I don't feel empty. What do you do when you get bored? I'm going to look at my phone for a while. Like, you ever been, like, in a restaurant by yourself, and you're there? I, I don't, okay, it used to be weird. Now, like, you know, our phone is our friend when we're by ourselves. Hey, I'm not going to be alone. You know, I'm not going to be bored. But a lot of times when we're, when we feel alone, we go to our phone. I didn't even mean to make that rhyme, but that's what happens. We're alone, we go to our phone. Thing is, there's a void in our life that makes us feel empty. The reality is that God wants to fill every void and satisfy your life. God wants to fill every void. You might say, Pastor Darrell, I'm doing pretty good. I want you to be, if you're really honest with yourself, there's some moments in your life, I know life is good for a lot of you guys, but not everybody's life is that great at 11, 12 to 18. And a lot of people are posing, putting on a front, like they got it all together. I'm doing all the right things, and I'm doing all the wrong things behind the scenes when nobody notices because they're trying to cope. They're trying to deal, and they're trying to get through. But the thing is, the devil has got us convinced that we, we're empty, that there's something we're missing out on. FOMO. Anybody ever have FOMO? Anybody, ever have, anybody even know what FOMO is? Feeling, yeah, Trisha, tell them what it is. Fear of missing out. You don't want to miss something. You see somebody post like they're going to a game tomorrow night at Burns? Yeah, you see that they're going. 
And then you're like, oh, well, they're going, well, I got to go now. Or, you know, it could be anything. Somebody's posting, they're at a theme park. I don't know, I saw somebody posting that they were at Kings Island. I go, man, that's a sick ride. I'm missing out, you know. And the thing is, like, that, that's so easy, especially in social media. But the devil, the enemy, by the way, you have an enemy. His name is Satan. The devil is the word, the word thrown around because, but it, his name literally means enemy. He is your enemy. You have one. It's, there's a void in your life, but God has come to fill every void and satisfy it. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus. It's Blaise Pascal. He's, he's, like a, he's like a mathematician, a Christian. He's like a philosopher, but he's also like a, he's like a religious guy. Point is, what he says is right. There's a hole or a vacuum that only God can fill through Jesus in all of us. When we, the whole thing is with the story of Simba, you're like, Pastor Joe, why are you talking about the Lion King? Because I think this story, if you watch the Lion King, you watch, I was, we were watching uh, Tangled the other day. Tangled, you got a girl trapped in a tower. She's trapped in a tower. She's been lied and deceived this whole time that, you know, this woman's her mom and it's not her mom. Who's seen Tangled? She doesn't even know she's trapped. She doesn't know that she's really a princess. She doesn't know who she really is because she's bought into a lie. That's you. That's you. By the way, Pastor Darrell, I know who I am. I know my name. What I'm getting at is like some of us have really, we've settled for second best when God has got more for us. And the thing is, Psalm 103.5 says that God satisfies our life with good things. Okay, it says that your youth is renewed like the evil. God is like the eagle. God has come to satisfy you with good things. I remember being in college. I graduated college, and I'm like, man, life is good. I got a good-paying job at a, at a credit union. Uh, I was a bank teller. I told stories and uh, handled money. And I made good money. I had a girlfriend. I had a nice car. I had, a lot, I had more money than probably I have now. I don't even really know. I can't remember, but I was restless. I was not happy. Something was missing. I felt a void. Something was off. I had all the money. I had the girl. I had the money. I had the job. I had the future. I had the college degree, and yet I was miserable inside. Why? Because I was missing. I was missing what God had for me. I was missing his plan. I was working in something I wasn't even supposed to work in. However, that job prepared me for tomorrow and today because all those people I met trained me for even what I do now. And it opened so many doors in school systems for years where I would go into the schools and I would get to speak to students all the time. But how little, my little mindset just thought this is just a little nine-to-five job. I'm making good money. I'm saving money. I guess I'm, I guess I'm good. See, there's a void. Only God can fill. Number two, there's a value. It says, the value, I've got it right here. It says, the enemy, uh, the enemy uses deception to confuse you by making you underestimate your value. This is something you got to struggle with big time. See, the enemy uses deception to confuse you by making you underestimate your value, but the reality is, is that you're God's masterpiece reflecting his image. See, the scripture says in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. Everybody say we. There can be more than one. Okay? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. It's easy to fall into the trap of thinking you aren't worth much if you think you're just someone who's a throwaway. God created you. You are not a throwaway. You are worth a lot. You are his masterpiece. 
And the thing is about a masterpiece, it's the most valuable piece of art in a studio. Hey, fellow art student, graphic designer, I can tell you, I've got some great pieces. I got some pieces that are better than the other ones. Why? Because I spent time on them. I invested energy into it. And because it was my artwork, it was my creation, it was my masterpiece, and any type of masterpiece, you don't just shove it in a corner and shut the door, do you? No, a masterpiece is something you put out front in the windows that when everybody walks by, they see it. That's you. You're God's masterpiece. God literally is showing you off day in and day out. Callie, you're God's masterpiece. He's showing you off. That's you. The masterpiece is the most valuable piece. And God is saying that you, 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 every single one of you are his masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus. And he planned it a long time ago. The Bible says that we're predestined sons and daughters of adoption. It means that God has always planned for us to be grafted into his family. Always. See, when I finally realized my value, did you think I was on top of the mountain? Do you think everything was going great when I finally realized my value in God's eyes? No. I wasn't on the mountaintop. I wasn't doing everything right. In fact, I was on the bottom of the barrel. I was at my absolute worst. I thought I had blown and destroyed my life because of temporary emotions. See, sometimes temporary emotions, we make permanent decisions when we have temporary emotions. Be careful. But guess what? Your temporary emotion, that decision you made just because you were in the moment, it's not too big for God at all. But the, realize, the time I realized God loved me most is when I felt my worst. God, there's no way you can forgive me. God, do you have any idea? God, do you know what I've done? God, I lied. Lord, I, look, here's the thing. A lot of times we take on the character of the enemy if we believe his lies long enough. We're the liars. We're the deceivers. I lied. I deceived myself. I deceived people close to me. I pretended everything was fine when it really wasn't. I was at my worst. And guess who was there to catch me when, to, when I fell? Not very many. All those people that said, I love you. I'll do anything for you. Bullcrap. Don't get me wrong. There are people that say that that actually mean it and back it up. But in that time, that's when I realized God loved me. My, God, I realized God loved me the most when I was the biggest sinner. God loved me the absolute most when I was the biggest sinner. I was blowing it. Every day. That's when I realized that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Because he loved me when nobody else would. He was for me. It's like I had this breakthrough moment. I just remember I had this moment. God loves me. He says he loves me. This word says he loves me. And I get it. It was like poof. I get it. You love me. And guess what? Because you love me, I don't want to sin. I don't want to go back. I'm your son. You're for me, not against me. You're not ready to strike me down with a lightning bolt. You're not ready to beat me with a stick. You love me. 
And here I am thinking God's mad at me and angry at me when all he's saying is, you're believing lies. I love you. See, I heard all the other lies. You're a failure. You're a liar. You're a loser. Nobody cares about you. Do you know what you've done? You can't be forgiven. Impossible. See, that was loud. It was loud. You know what I didn't hear for the longest time? I love you, Daryl. I'm for you. I gave Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. Hey, hey, it's not that bad. We can fix this. Romans 8.28 says, I work things together for good for all those that love me and are called according to my purposes. If God's called you, nobody can disqualify that call. He's saying he loved me. He's saying he wanted me. He's saying he chose me. He's saying I was his masterpiece. But all that time, I didn't believe it because I'd rather believe the person sitting next to me who told me a bunch of foo-foo crap. We'd rather believe somebody down the row we barely know. By the way, I hope you guys know each other well because this is supposed to be family, but we care more about what somebody thinks we barely know on some random page on social media than we do God, who's the creator of the heavens and the earth, who literally has every day speaking to us, reaching out with us with love. God is, literally has us under his common grace. We're healed and whole. We're not, you're not sick right now. You don't have COVID. That's the goodness of God. You're not dying. Your family is healthy and whole. You got food in the fridge. I'm going to tell you, you got food in the fridge. God bless you. You got air conditioning at home. We got air conditioning here. My gosh, we're blessed. And we think we've got it rough. We think we've got it hard. And I'm not saying that what you're going through is not tough, not rough, and not hard. But at the end of the day, maybe your eyes are too focused on the lies, and you need to start looking at the truth and start looking at what's good in your life. And God has been so good and still is good to you and to me. But we're too focused on everything we're doing wrong and who we are rather than who he is and who he says he is. Am I making sense? See, Simba believed a lie for the longest time. He forgot it was, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be the next king. I'm the prince. My mom's back there. And for him, his girlfriend's back there. She comes finds him. Don't be looking at somebody next to you going, you better be coming to find me. It's not what I'm talking about. The devil cannot devalue what isn't his. See, we're believing that the devil, we're believing the enemy, we're believing the lies of what somebody said to you today in class. You're believing the lies that somebody is talking trash about you somewhere in somebody's DMs, or you're believing some lie that somebody said somewhere, and you're worried about what they think. The devil cannot devalue what is not his. See, number three is victory. We have victory through Jesus Christ who gives us our royal identity. The reality is, is that you are God's chosen treasure that he protects. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are God's chosen treasure. Priests who are kings, a spiritual nation, a holy nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light. And now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. You're God's chosen treasure. The word in the, the when you look at the real meaning of that word, it means that treasure is not just out in the open for anybody to steal. It's heavily guarded treasure. You know what? I own stuff. And you know what? I make sure it's taken care of. Why? Because it's mine. 
I have a daughter. She's my daughter. She means the world to me. I love her. I'm proud of her. And at the end of the day, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I love her more because she's mine. Pastor Daryl, you love her more? I love everybody. But she's more precious to me because she's mine. And you belong to God. And all of you are precious because you belong to him. The son or daughter of a king is a prince or a princess. You're royal by the nature of your family you're born into. You are grafted into God's family because of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. When he rose from the dead, he didn't, he didn't rise from the dead so that you could remain dead, so that you could be depressed, so that you could be beaten down. He's come to take that void, remind you of your value, and give you your victory. Pastor Darrell, you don't know my situation. I'm beat down. You don't know what I'm dealing with at home. Yeah, here in just a second. Here's the thing. I, not, I don't know your exact situation. I've shared about my, my middle school life a lot. And there's some things I haven't even shared. But it's easy to doubt ourselves and not see our value when we're looking from a human perspective. See, a human perspective says, I'm not good looking enough. That other person is better looking than me. Nathan's beard is better than mine. But you know what? My beard's just fine. That's girl, you don't have a beard. Not right now I don't. One day I will. Here's the thing. It's real easy to devalue yourself because you're looking with human eyes. God is here. I am here to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to remind you that you are valuable, that you are God's chosen treasure, and you are valuable because you are His. You're valuable because you're His. Just like, look, I'm not trying to pick on my daughter in the room, but I'm just saying she's valuable to me because she's mine. My wife is valuable to me because she's mine, and I'm hers. You're valuable to me, here's you're valuable to me in a whole different way because you're my student, because you're one of my disciples. You're valuable to me because I love you, and I want to be a spiritual father to you, and I want to help you. I want to be there to guide you. These leaders are in the room because they love you, and they want to help you. Why? Because you're ours. Does that make sense? Because you're ours. I know I lost some of y'all. Some of y'all are thinking about the cafe. Some of y'all are thinking about boys. Let's just, let's just rein it in for a second. Some of y'all are thinking about girls. Just rein it in for a second. Pastor Darrell, so what? Like Simba, you've convinced that you've messed, you're messed up. I'm going to skip that clip. Here's the deal. Simba arrives on the scene. Bam! He confronts Scar. Scar tries to manipulate him and remind him, you killed your dad. And he's like, no, I didn't. It was an accident. It wasn't my fault. He confronts Scar. What happens? Scar's defeated, and then Scar gets eaten by the hyenas. And then who takes his rightful place back at the top of that rock, at the top of the, the king of the pride? It's a guy who it was his all along. It was Simba's all along, and it took him a long time to get there. And God is here to tell you that you are a royal son and daughter. Your royal identity is that you are loved despite anything that you do, that God loves you and he's for you. Anything from your past, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how dirty you may feel inside. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you would be clean on the inside, that he would cleanse you, that he would forgive you, that he would set you free, and then he would help renew and transform your mind so that you could walk in freedom, you could walk in peace, you could walk in joy, that no matter what Billy says down the hallway, it doesn't matter because God says, I'm loved, I'm forgiven, I'm brand new, and I'm his. Pastor Darrell, you get hype? Yes. 
Because if you could take hold of this, if you can grab hold of this complete revelation, it'll change how you see God. It'll change how you see everything. It'll change your destiny. Bow your heads, close your eyes. See, when you buy something, you choose it. You own it. You protect it. You make sure it's in safekeeping. You were bought with a price. You were bought with a price. God, you say, Pastor Daryl, it's real nice. God loves me. Big deal. God gave up his only son for you. God gave up everything to buy you back. Not so that you could sit here and be religious and carry a Bible with a cheesy grin and act like and talk about certain things and fake it till you make it. No. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you would know your royal identity as a son or daughter. Ooh, that you're really a prince and a princess who has full access to God's love, God's gifts, and his goodness. I'm not talking about behavior modification. I'm just talking about the love of God the Father. Ah. Take a moment. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Take a moment. I want you to reflect for a second. If there's anything that you get out of anything that I say today, some of you in here, you think you've messed up and there's no way back. You think you're not worth much or you're not good enough. You may be even convinced that what you're thinking or feeling is true, and I'm here to remind you that you are valuable. I'm here to remind you that you are God's masterpiece. You are God's chosen treasure. He has chosen you. You are royalty, and this is who you are. So are you living like you really know that you're a son or daughter of God? Do you really know? Because tonight I want to encourage you, if you'll choose to put your faith in God, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ and say, I believe on his death, burial, and resurrection, I give him, I give Jesus my everything. I give him my yes. Once you do that, in that moment, you truly become a son or daughter, truly become a child of God. I want my leaders to come up here on this one. I want everybody to stand up on their feet. Stretch your legs for a second. The devil cannot take away your value unless you give it to him. Because you aren't his. God created you. He's the one that places value on you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in the room right now and you need prayer for anything, it can be anything. There might be something that was said that really resonated with you. I want you to come up here in just a moment. If you're in the room and you say, man, I really want to know. I really want to embrace this thing that I'm a son or daughter, that God loves me despite my past, despite my decisions, despite anything. I want to step into a new, uh, a new day, a new season of God's love. Or you might be in the room. And you're like, man, just pray for me. You might have any prayer request on your heart. I want you to, and when I count to three, and, and it, just come up here. Let our leaders pray for you. No one's going to no make you do anything. We just want to pray for you. When I count to three. One, 
And if you get nervous, bring somebody with you. Don't bring five. Don't bring five. Just bring one. Okay? Just one. Two. The Lord loves you. He wants you to know that. If there's anything I want you to know, that you are loved. And that you are valuable. And your life is worth everything. Your life is worth everything to God. It's worth everything to us. You may be struggling with depression in the room. You might be struggling with like thoughts of just in, like just feeling like you're not enough. If that's you, this next few minutes, this next time is for you as well. Three. If you're in here, just come on up. Come on up. Go up to somebody else. If they're full, go to somebody else. <laughs> Anybody in here? Hey, every head bowed, every eye closed. You're in here. Dude, you're a, I can tell you right now, there's guys in the room, you're struggling because you don't even know what the love of a father is. And that's like a deep, deep desire of your heart. Or maybe you have a dad, but you just wish he was more. Let us pray for you. I'm going to tell you right now, if that's you, let, uh, let one of the male leaders come up to us. And, and look, nobody's calling you out, but I, we just wanna, I'm going to give you a big hug. Some of us, just come up. We just want to hug you. God wants to wrap his arms around you and just say, you know what? You are loved. God wants to step in and just say, I recognize you. I love you. I'm for you. Some of you guys might go, man, that sounds kind of weak sauce. You know what? It's not if you're real. you close your eyes and bow your heads regardless if you're up here or not. God, examine our hearts in the room. Pray for fresh revelation of our royal identity in you that we are valuable. Mm. The devil can't devalue us because God says we're valuable and we are his. Help us, help us understand that. Help us know that. There's still some of you kind of hesitating. It's okay to step on out. It's not too late. we got a couple more minutes for you. If that's you, just step on out. Hey, I'd love to hug you or pray with you. we got Nathan over here. Anybody else? Come on. We love you. Jasmine, you are good enough. You are good enough. Jasmine, Jasmine, you are good enough. Heavenly Father, bring peace, 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 peace. Holy Spirit, breathe on your people. Some people in here in the room, they're like, man, this ain't the youth group I've ever been to. We reel around here. Come on. God is good. He's holy. He's real. He loves you. He's for you. I'm into pizza and play time too, but I'm also into real time too. I'm into the God the Father just coming in and meeting us exactly where we are. 
You're not too far gone, whoever you are. You're not too far gone at all. Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Would you guys put your hand on somebody next to you? We're going to do this again. I just, you guys need to get used to praying for one another. If this generation would pray, we would see revival. Pastor Duro, what's that? We would see the goodness and the supernatural of God break out in a way we've never seen before. Good. Come on up. love you guys. Did you get him? Did you get him? You guys get hugs over there? We'll be getting some more. Okay, I'm not trying to creep you out, Ricardo. <laughs> He's like, bro. All right. As they're continuing to pray, let's. we're going to close right here. We're going to